0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review, and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you, Seek, ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things unto them that ask him? Back in 1984, there was a poll taken by the American Association of Pastoral Counselors was published that year in the Reader's Digest, and the poll dealt with the question of the questions that people ask their ministers most. If there was one question that you were going to ask me more than any others, what would it be? The survey reported the questions that people said they asked their pastors most and I'm going to give you the first seven of that list it was in the survey. The number one question asked our pastors is, why do some prayers go unanswered? Number two, what can I do when I'm so discouraged? I feel like giving up. Three, how can I best pass on my religion to my children? Four, how can I recharge my spiritual batteries? Five, how can I believe in a living, merciful God when I see what goes on in the Word? Six, my teenagers say... There is no point in planning for the future in a world uh, menaced by nuclear war. How can I convince them that they are wrong? Number seven, why did he or she have to die? I was surprised that number seven being that far down the list, I would have expected it to be probably number two or three in the list of questions that are most frequently asked pastors. But the number one question, and I want us to deal with it tonight, is why do some prayers go unanswered? There might be a better way of asking the question, are there prayers that go unanswered? I suspect that all of us at some point in our life would ask that question of ourselves at least if we did not ask it openly or did not ask our pastor that question that we certainly would be wrestling with it believing probably that there are prayers that we offer to which we get no answer. For an illustration, let me give you three. One deals with the fact that someone that we love is ill, very gravely ill, and we pray for healing. Probably this is the one that would come to our minds quicker than any others. We pray earnestly and sincerely that our loved one be healed and restored to life and they die anyway. Then the question that comes to our mind, was our prayer unanswered? Did God not hear us and ignore the question? Number two, was a job that is open, and I want desperately. I've been in this situation a few times. And I prayed to God that he would see to it that I got that job. And I didn't get it. Did God not answer my prayer? Thirdly, one that frequently comes to our minds is I have lost something very precious. Perhaps it's a very valuable ring or a piece of jewelry of some sort, but anyway, I've lost something of extreme value. And I pray that God will assist me in finding that ring or that item of great value, and I never find it. Did God not answer my prayer? The real problem that we have with prayer probably centers around the question, as to whether or not we actually get answers. Let's look at prayer just a little bit. Oftentimes our prayers are limited to a petition. That is, we keep a list of things that we want and ask that God would respond by supplying us with this list of things, almost a shopping list. But we read the model prayer that Jesus used to teach his disciples how to pray. And we dissected this prayer one Wednesday night, not so often long ago, in our Bible study. And we discovered that the model prayer has a lot more in it than simply our request for things. It starts out with an acknowledgement of God and a praise and adoration of his name. And it's only after we get down in the prayer a little bit does he say that we can say unto God, give us this day our daily want. Our daily bread, not our daily wants. Bread meaning those things that are essential and necessary for the sustaining of life. Nowhere do we find the prayer that we can have anything we want by requesting it without some real serious restrictions that we will somewhat deal with this evening. One of the problems that faces us when we pray is that we set limits upon God as to how he's supposed to answer. And we expect the Lord to respond to our prayer in the manner that we outline. And in the time frame that we outline. And expect that God is going to yield to our desires simply because we have made that request. And if we don't get our answer in the manner that we requested it, we automatically assume that God didn't answer and don't even give him the benefit of the doubt. We make an erroneous assumption that God has either not heard or has elected to not even respond. And it may very well be if we were very spiritual in our prayer life we would discover that God has indeed answered we just did not hear. And so the problem ends up being a problem of our hearing and not his responding. It is a good thing that God does not grant us all our petitions. For if he gave us everything we wanted, we would be, most of us would be dead. For we would have asked so erroneously that we would have placed ourselves in a life threatening situation and asked God to put us there. And God has refused to give us the petition that we asked for for perhaps two reasons. one, that it is not good for us and secondly, it is not in his will to respond like we wanted him to. From our vantage point, we don't see very clearly, for example, A person, and you've heard these stories, a person is late making a plane connection. And that person prays, God, help me get there fast, because I'm going to miss my connection. And they miss their connection. Did God not answer? It isn't long until that person who is fretting around the airport about the fact that he or she has missed that plane hears the news that that plane crashed and all on board were lost. You've heard those stories and read them in the paper, and you've seen them on television, and after it's all over, you hear these side stories about the people who did not make the connection. The initial response of the person who made the prayer is God didn't hear me, or God didn't answer. And God ought to know that I needed to be on that plane because I had an appointment. And I'm going to miss my appointment now because I didn't get on the plane, and God, you didn't see to it that the traffic parted so that my car could get there. Because God, seeing from his vantage point, is able to conceive all of the episodes of the entire world, knew in his tremendous wisdom that the airplane was not going to make its destination, and had indeed responded to the prayer in a manner differently than the individual wanted and expected. How many times have it been, except for the mercy of God on the highways, that we have escaped, perhaps narrowly, but nevertheless escaped, a tragedy contrary to the prayer that we were asking God for? Another illustration on that point, we might consider the prayer that we've all offered and I offered many times during Lynn's illness, that God would keep her alive. And you've prayed that, that God would keep someone in your family, a friend, a loved one, alive. And we pray it many times here from the pulpit and and in this church, that God will, will restore health to someone and the person dies. Did the hundreds of people that prayed for Lynn's recovery pray in vain? Were my prayers not heard and the prayers of the rest of the family and your prayers on her behalf? Did God simply not hear us? I would suggest to you that there is not a single individual in heaven today that would say, God, you made a mistake. I want to go back. Whose vantage point are we in when we make some of our prayers? Jesus said to us that we do not have oftentimes times because we ask in error. Ask amiss is the King James statement. We ask in error, and we ask in error mostly because of our inability to perceive far enough into the future to know what we ought to pray and how we ought to pray. Never we do it in error. There is a mistake in the way that we do it and what we say, but we cannot see the consequences Of that which we request. I'll never forget. Growing up as a boy, I thought I knew everything. And my dad didn't know too much. And I would ask him for something or other, and he would deny it. And I would fuss about it, and he would say to me, someday you will understand. And do you know that day has come? For now, from a different viewpoint... And with more maturity, I can realize what he was telling me and why he was saying no. When at my time of immaturity and youthfulness, I couldn't possibly conceive that I could be wrong in my request. His wisdom proved to be right. Multiply that many, many times and consider the wisdom of God in comparison to our uh, finality, our weakness, our inferior intelligence and position and vantage point, and we can understand that if God responded as we want him to respond in every case, we would be people most miserable. But so we don't really want all that we ask for. We just don't know that we don't want it. And would be glad if we got to get rid of it, to give it back because it was really not what we were asking for. (coughs) There are lots of examples throughout the Scripture. Our prayers that apparently went unanswered. Moses, for example, prayed that he might enter the promised land, but he didn't get to go. Then God buried him. They didn't even have a public funeral. Habakkuk, one of the Old Testament prophets prayed this. He said, O Lord, how long shall I cry unto thee? Uh, 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 Let me say that over. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear me? Even the prophets faced the problem of crying to God and saying, God, I cry, but you don't hear. And if there's anything about prayer that really disturbs me in my own personal life, it's this issue, and I'm sure you face as well, of wondering if God really is listening. And if He were, why doesn't He answer the way I want Him to answer this problem, when he prayed three times that a thorn that he had in his place, as he called it, whatever that might have been, or I think it was partial blindness, but that's beside the point, would be removed from him, Paul did not get a yes. Now Paul did get an answer, and the answer to him was no. Jesus even did the same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane. Before his betrayal, when he swept great drops of blood, he prayed to God, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Meaning, Father, I don't want to do what you have assigned me to do. Let me out of this obligation. And do you know there is no response in the scripture that God made to him? Did God not hear You realize that God answered that prayer and let Jesus out of the obligation of dying for the sins of the world. We would all be in hell. The consequences of answering that request would have been devastating to the world. It would have destroyed the image of Jesus Christ. He would not have been the sinless the Son of God he would have been a human weak with sins like we because he asked for something that God would not give for God loved this world enough to make his own Son go through the penalty of dying on the cross. It was in God's wisdom established even before the foundation of the Word that his own Son would come and die, and Jesus himself was well aware of it. And even as he prayed the prayer, he knew that God would have to say no. i not going to do that. You're not getting out of this obligation. So, in the Sermon on the Mount that we have before us, Jesus teaches us some things about prayer. There are three things that I think that he says in this prayer. I want to talk about those three things. Number one, he says to pray with persistence. Stick to it. Secondly, he says to pray with patience. And thirdly, make your prayer personal. Those are the three points I want to make. Dealing with praying with persistence, he says three things. Number one, ask, he said in verse 7, and ye shall receive. said another place you have not because you ask not and then he goes on to say you ask and receive not because you ask amiss in error but he says to ask even though it might be in error in the best judgment that we can gather together in the best way that we know how we need to come to God and persistently make our request known. Over and over and over and over. Because God wants to be petitioned. He wants to hear that we are serious. This thing I simply Making a request known one time and dropping it there is not very scriptural. He gave us a parable of the unjust steward and talks about a woman who came to an unjust, uh, and I'm sorry, an unjust judge. When a woman came to an unjust judge and persistently and persistently requested a petition of him, and he kept saying no and no and no. But the Lord said, the judge finally gave up and gave the woman the petition that she asked for because she had been persistent and he was weary with her requests. He was using this parable to teach us that when we go to God, God is not going to be weary like a man. When we go to God, he is expecting us to ask and ask Again, that God would answer our prayer. But he will not answer us contrary to his will nor against that which is for our benefit. He'll say no first. Secondly, he says to seek. Now that word seek has an important emphasis. Me, it means that we must put some effort into the answering of our own prayer. And this is important, that old statement that you've heard many, many times, God helps those who help themselves is certainly true. If we want something bad enough to really knock ourselves out to achieve it, God is going to respect that, and when we come with all of our efforts put into it to get it ourselves and request God's assistance, is he not like any other father? When I have seen my children knock themselves out to achieve something and need that little extra to accomplish it, I'm ready to give it. But you know how it is. If a child wants to be lazy and won't achieve anything on his own, a reasonable father is not going to hand it out on a silver platter. So is God. If we want something bad enough, we're going to put our efforts into it. And that's why he says secret which means put some effort into the answering of your own prayers. And thirdly, he says not, which implies, again, persistence. Go after what you're wanting. It indicates a seriousness on our part that we want what we're after. Being persistent. And secondly, There are three answers that God can give us. Number one, He can say yes to our petition. Number two, He can say no. And number three, He can say wait a while. Why would He possibly say wait? Because He knows that if He would grant us our petition at this point in our life, it would mean little. But by the development of circumstances and things that are happening in our lives, he knows that a year from now, a response at that time will be yes, and it will make a big impact upon us, and we'll have what we ask for. Take, for example, that job that we did not get, and I can remember a few of those, and I thought that my life was over, and I was devastated because I had been rejected for a particular job, only to discover at some point in time down the road, along came a job that I would never have gotten had I received the one I prayed for. That was more important, more valuable, more fulfilling, had a larger salary, had all the benefits, and it was because God said no to our request initially in order to say, wait a while, you're going to get. A response to your prayer next year, two years from now, five years from now, maybe even next week. But not now. It's better to wait and receive that which you want. And so as we pray, if God does not seem to answer us in the positive or in the negative, maybe we ought to consider He said, wait a while. Thirdly, we ought to make our prayers personal. You know, one of the problems that we have in praying is we try to make them churchy. You know, there are certain words that we seem to think that we ought to put in prayers. We say all the these and the vows. When do you ever use thee and vow except in church when you read the King James or in prayer? use all of those old English words because that seems to be the wording that we ought to put in prayers. But listen, when you get serious about praying, you've got to use words that are normal and can be comprehended by everybody. If I go to my father, I would not say, Dad, would thou please let me have the car tonight? I wouldn't say thou at all. Why say that to God? The point is, we don't need to fill up our prayers with high-fangled words, words that seem so beautiful that don't really say anything. One of the problems that I have with written prayers, and although there are places I'm sure that they are appropriate, but the problem with every written prayer that I have ever heard it was full of big, fangled words that I didn't understand half of them. And what was somebody doing in developing that prayer to be read from the pulpit? That woman or that man was trying to impress the people of the congregation and it had nothing to do with God. We, excuse me. When we pray, we're talking to our Father. It ought to be a conversation that a child and his father would normally have. Do our prayers go unanswered? I think the scripture tells us over and over and resoundingly says, no, our prayers don't go unanswered. God hears what we say and God responds for our best interest and Within His will, it's us that has the problem. We don't hear the answer, or we choose to ignore it. Because it wasn't in the time frame and in the manner that we had requested, it did not fit the pattern that we wanted. We were devastated because we didn't get what we asked for, had we really been in tune with God, we would have heard him say, Child, I hear you. But right now, that's not best for you. Wait a while. Something better is coming. I have something more important planned. You're going to like next year a whole lot better than right now. Do our prayers go unanswered? I think not. There's a lot more that can be said about prayer than we can say tonight. But I think we can answer the question. Does God hear us? You bet he does. Does God answer you? You bet he does. Do we hear his answer? No, that's not quite so sure. We're not listening. We're not in tune. Prayer is a two-way street. Half of it seems to leave us at times. And we don't wait for God to tell us really what he wants to tell us. But don't put the blame on God. If we don't get what we want, it's because we weren't listening.
0: He did answer. Let's pray.